On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Stephen, Cameron, do you want to explain to us what, was, what we saw on the television cameras out there today and what's happened since? Can you explain? Uh, yep, so I've uh, been just had discussions with the um, match officials and um, you know, I've been charged with attempting to uh, um, uh, to change the, the condition of the ball. Yeah, look, we, we had a, um, a, yeah, a discussion during the break to, and um, yeah, on, my, on myself, I, I saw an opportunity to potentially use some, use some tape, get some um, you know, granules from the you know, from the rough patches on the wicket and, and tried to, um, I guess, change the, yeah, change the ball condition. Um, it didn't work. The umpires didn't obviously change the ball, but uh, I guess once I was, you know, sighted on the, on the screens and, and having done that, I, I, you know, painted quite a lot. And, uh, yeah, that, that obviously resulted in, in me shoving it down my, um, my trousers. So. It was tape, was it? Yeah, yeah. So we have this, um, yeah, yellow tape in our, in our kit and um, it's, you know, it's connected to actually some, some padding, but the actual sticky stuff itself is um, yeah, it's very sticky and, and I, I felt like it could be used to, um, yeah, to collect some stuff from the side of the pitch. So you've been chosen ball tapping. I suppose the talk around this, Stephen, is that he wouldn't do that of his own volition, that the team must be aware of what he's doing. Yeah, the, the leadership group knew about it. Um, we spoke about it at lunch and... Uh, I'm not proud of, of what's happened. Um, you know, it's not within the spirit of the game. Um, my integrity, the team's integrity, the leadership group's integrity has come into to question, and, and rightfully so. Um, it's not on. It's, it's certainly not on, and it's, it, it won't happen again. I can promise you that under my leadership. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh just wanted to say at the outset that uh, I was extremely disappointed and shocked to hear the news and read the news this morning after the events in Cape Town yesterday and uh, from a Cricket Australia perspective we regard this as an extremely serious issue and in a moment I'll go into uh, some steps that are going to be put in place to uh, understand more about it. Australian cricket fans want to be proud of their cricket team. They want to be proud of the Australian cricket team. And I think this morning they have every reason to wake up and not be proud of the team. It's a very sad day for Australian cricket. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a crisis edition of the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Mensel, a.k.a. Manners. And that was Cameron Bancroft and Stephen Smith speaking about the ball tampering controversy after play yesterday. And then after that was 
the head of Cricket Australia, James Sutherland, speaking to the press today. Now, joining me to go through this crisis is uh, Russell Gould from the Herald Sun in Melbourne. How are you, Russell? You're making debut on the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Menas. Um, I'm not great, to be honest. It's not a great day for Australian cricket, mate. Um, we're the laughing stock of the world, calling Adam Gilchrist. So, it's a get through. Yeah, I um, people who listen to this podcast regularly will know that sometimes I wear my heart on my sleeve. I've been a bit of a super fan at times, and I feel like someone's come in and just ripped my heart out after that actions on the field by Steve Smith and his team. I mean, it was the most embarrassing and disgraceful thing I've seen on a cricket field in a long time. If you haven't seen it already, listeners, go and watch all the footage. You cannot get more exposed than the Australian cricket team did. And I read your column with great interest today, Russell, on the Herald Sun, and you said that Steve Smith should be sacked as Australian captain. Do you still feel that way? Oh, 100%. Even more so, given the information that's come out. And the stance I took was based on the fact that Steve Smith had a decision to make. In the change rooms at Cape Town at lunch, when they weren't going that well, and it was first raised, hey, why don't we do this? How do, why don't we get some tape? Why don't we go onto the ground and pick up some dirt with that tape and then scuff up the ball? The very instance that's raised, the captain of the Australian cricket team should say, what are you talking about? That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, and don't mention it again. But Steve Smith didn't. More than that, he had 40 minutes during a lunch session to consider what he was going to do to go over it in his mind, to think about the consequences, to think about what it might mean beyond what might happen in the next in that next session of cricket. He should have thought about what it meant for Australian cricket if he got caught, what action he was taking, even if he didn't get caught. He should have thought about the action he was taking. He had 40 minutes to decide whether he wanted to go ahead and do that, and he went ahead and did it. He was a captain under pressure, and his first course of action was to cheat, and that's not what we want the Australian captain to do. Yeah, it was a terrible look. And I just questioned the whole thing, but how they even thought that they could get away with it, they must have known all the cameras will be trained on them after all the controversies raging in this series, how they even thought they could get away with it. And then you see Smith go up to the umpires and pretty much lie. I mean, Bancroft has got his sort of sunglass cover and he's showing them the umpires instead and Smith's there um, sort of supporting him. So it's just the most terrible thing I've seen in recent memory from an Australian captain. Can you think of anything worse? No, I can't. And you add to that the very thing you just mentioned there, that it wasn't Steve Smith who was doing the ball tampering. It was Cameron Bancroft, the most inexperienced member of the Australian cricket team. And Steve Smith decided as captain that he would let Cameron Bancroft be the one to take the ball. There's only one person who got charged by the ICC out of this, is Cameron Bancroft. But Steve's, the ramifications for Steve Smith are going to be much greater because of those two things. It was his decision, and he decided to make Cameron Bancroft do it. There was no way they were going to get away with it. Cameron Bancroft had seemingly never done it before because he didn't actually know how to hide the bit of paper under his hand properly. You could see it. And there's 30 cameras trained on that cricket ground, 30 cameras, keen-eyed, South African supporters working for Supersport, given the series had been so hot, so hot, they were on the lookout for anything, and anything they found would be replayed ad nauseum. And you could hear the commentators in the box who were clearly watching screens that we couldn't exactly see. You could hear their reactions just off, just off camera. You could hear them go, whoa, whoa, what's that? They knew what was going on, and they clearly couldn't believe it either. It was just 
an amazing thing to see, an amazing thing to consider that the Australian cricket team thought that they could get away with cheating. Yeah, I think in some ways it's admirable the way Smith has taken responsibility for this because they could have easily just pegged this on Bancroft and said, look, he did this by himself. We didn't really know what was going on. I mean, stay in his young career, but instead they've actually fronted up and told the truth that this is even worse. It's a conspiracy and that the whole leadership group was in on it. So his honesty has sort of got them in more hot water. I would say now that you'd go one step further. Smith has to go, but, you know, Darren Lehman doesn't look great out of this because either he knew it was happening or and if he didn't know it was happening, how come he doesn't know what's going on in the dressing room? And then Vice-Captain David Warner. So you could have a whole clean-out of the leadership group in Australian cricket. That's potential. I'll just go back one thing very quickly and say, you used the word admirable to Steve Smith. There's nothing admirable about Steve Smith in this situation at all. Honesty, anything, none of that's admirable. The moment he decided to cheat, the word admirable went out the window. But you're right, there could be a clean-out. And it's not, there's not a great there's not a suggestion, certainly not from me. I'm not saying that careers have to finish here. I'm not saying that Steve Smith can never play for Australia again. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that the members of the leadership can never play cricket for Australia again if they're found to be party to this decision. But they clearly can't be in leadership roles because they've shown the worst form of leadership in this situation. And Darren Lehman is accountable as well. I mean, there's vision of him on the walkie-talkie, talking to Peter Hanscom on the boundary after he'd seen something on television. We don't know exactly what that is. That might come out in the fullness of time. And the CA investigation party that's headed over to South Africa will hopefully uncover exactly what Darren Lehman knew. Steve Smith said Lehman didn't know, but you can't really believe Steve Smith, can you? So whether Lehman knew or not, he's still the leader of that team and he should have known what was happening on that field. I mean, this is a stunning turnaround for Steve Smith. I mean, he was sort of touted as a golden boy when he was given the uh, Aussie cricket captaincy. I was always right behind him. I thought he was going to be a brilliant leader. He just needed a little bit of time to grow up. But he's made a few mistakes, and this being the biggest shocking mistake of all time. And as you say, he certainly can play for Australia. He just probably will not be able to serve in a leadership position, which is incredible when you look at what he's done so far. It is, and I'm not quite sure he completely grasped the gravity of the situation when he did front up to the press with Cameron Bancroft as well. And that might be an element of his immaturity, and you mentioned that before, that as a leader he just needed to grow up a little bit. And maybe he hasn't quite progressed to those levels. He's been thrown in some hot situations in his short term as captaincy. India last year we know about He's been through an Ashes series as well. There's been It's just some big moments. And last year was a massive year for him. He's been through some big moments. But he's shown tendencies to get over-emotional at times. We've seen the, uh, the extravagant um, actions he has when he bats. Like in India, it all started with the swashbuckling of the bat. And he's carried that into South Africa. It seems when the moments are hot, he doesn't quite know how to handle them emotionally. And maybe that's a sign that he, that he wasn't quite ready. To be captain, he was thrown into the, at, a, at a young age, at a relatively inexperienced young age, um, and maybe that's shown out as well. Yeah, good point. And those comments that he made after the Kigizo Rabada decision was made last week to let him off that is that the new standard the ICC is setting? I mean, those words are just going to come back to haunt him because he's transgressed in the worst imaginable way possible. And he's been caught by the South Africans who would be reveling in this right now. Now, our colleague at the 
Courier Mail, Crash Craddock wrote that this was the culmination of a grubby, win-at-all-cost culture deliberately crossing the thin line between self-righteous rule bending into a world of shameless, bald-faced cheating. I mean, that's pretty spot on from Crash there, isn't it? Yeah, and he mentioned that line, that line there. How often have we heard about that line, that line that the Australians referred to, a Nathan, but Nathan line, he made a sort of his calling card through the ashes and brought it up again in South Africa that we headbutt the line, but we don't go over it. It's clear that the Australians have constantly been going over the line. That footage of David Warner walking off the field, um, calling Quinton de Kock a cook, a, a sook rather, an effing sook, as he walked off, there was no need for it. Why would you do it? It, it served no purpose. Yet that's what the Australians have been doing. I think the Australian public has sort of always thought in the back of their mind, we like this team when they're winning, but we don't necessarily like this team. And I think this is just going to make it worse for them. A lot of people already, we're running a poll on the Herald Sun, nearly 30,000 voters, 30,000 voters asking whether Steve, Steve Smith should be sacked. 90% are happy to say, yep, he should be sacked. And that is the chorus of opinion from everyone you talk to. The Australians like the Australian teams when they win, but I don't think they necessarily like this Australian team. I agree. Now, what did you think of Cricket Australia's response today? James Sutherland fronted up to a very uh, loud and vociferous press pack. Haven't seen anything like that in cricket for a while. Pat Howard and the head of the integrity unit, Ian Roy, are heading over to South Africa probably as we speak to sort this mess out. Do you think that Cricket Australia responded appropriately to the crisis today? I don't think they did, but I think because it's well within James Sutherland's power to make a call immediately. He doesn't have to call a board meeting. He doesn't get to, have to get approval from the board to stand down players. He can do that as CEO. He has that power. And my understanding is members were kept in, in um, informed of what was going on, but no actual emergency board meetings were called to make any decisions. I think they were a bit soft today, but I think they were soft today because there's big penalties coming. What they're doing is arming themselves with enough information to make a big, big call. Because sacking an Australian test captain is not something you do lightly. You want to make sure you have every piece of information available to you. As much as Steve Smith made an admission in his press conference that it was the idea of the leadership group to do this ball tampering, to take it out onto the field, to ask Cameron Bancroft, the exact nature of who was involved needs to be ascertained. I know that James Sutherland spoke to the cricket Australia, the cricket team manager, Gavin Dovey, in Cape Town, and he tried to get as much information as he could. He was woken up at 3.30 on Sunday morning and alerted to what was going on, and he'd been on the phone. But I think what James Sutherland is doing is arming himself with the, the maximum amount of information possible because he knows he has to make a big call, and you want to you be able to back that up. Yeah, they do have to go through the due process, and I guess they want to get to the core of what the problem is. I don't think it'll just be one person. I think we could see a few heads roll. Um, You wrote another column where you brought up the history of ball tampering. And, you know, the English and everybody's piling on the Aussies, and we absolutely deserve it. This was a shocking performance, but it's not the first time that an international captain has been caught in similar circumstances. Yeah, well, we refer directly, we refer straight away to Faf Duplessis um, in Australia, uh, 2016. Um, but he pleaded, pleaded his innocence, and he continues to plead innocence that he did nothing wrong. But you go even further back to the Ashes when the English used those, and Marcus Druskoff wrote about it in his book, that they used those mints um, to shine more. But in those, in those instances, no one was actually cited. That's, the, that's, the, that's, that's what makes this one very different. No one was cited, and there were admissions made after the fact. 
So whatever was happening in those games, people weren't penalised. The issue wasn't raised by the umpires. In this instance, we've got an Australian test captain admitting to concocting a plan to tamper with the ball to get an advantage. This is so different to anything that's happened before, and it's staggeringly different. Yeah, and this could take years for Australian cricket's reputation to recover. You look at the underarm, the Kiwis are still talking about that, and that's been over 30 years. Now this will be a stain on Australian cricket that will live on for years, won't it? Exactly, and the thing with the underarm was that was legal. Greg Chappell was allowed to do that. He probably shouldn't have, but he was allowed to, so he did. In this instance, Steve Smith's not allowed to tamper with the ball. The Australians aren't allowed to tamper with the ball. This is going to linger long on Steve Smith. And as I said, as you mentioned before about the golden boy, the shine has come off the golden boy, and this will be really hard for him to recover from. Not just him, but the, once it's established, the entire group. Even Cameron Bancroft, I think this is the last time we'll see him play for Australia. I don't think he'll come back after this. He can't. Even though he was told... Even though he's a grown man and he made his own choices, he was told what he what he had to do. This this is not something that Bancroft can recover from, I wouldn't have thought. Yeah, and have you seen the footage going around of Cameron Bancroft putting sugar in his pocket during an Ashes test? I think the the Sydney test that, that's going around now, that which obviously would be used to make the ball more abrasive. Certainly not on the scale of what's happened in South Africa, but it, it is an interesting subplot. It is, because Steve Smith did say, we've never done it before, we've never done it before. Um, and you want to take him in his word, but it's hard to, as I said before, it's hard to take him in his word, um, given he's cheated. Uh, I have seen that footage. There's a, there's a myriad number of reasons Cameron Bancroft could have sugar in his pocket if it was indeed sugar. Um, it could just be you lick your fingers and it could cause a bit of tackiness as well, put a bit of tackiness on the ball as opposed to necessarily trying to rough it up because I'm not, I'm not sure how much sugar would impact on the ball. Uh, it could just be something where he puts his hands in his pocket, lifts his fingers. It's not a good look at all. Um, and it does, as you say, speak to potentially the Aussies having been down this path before. Yeah, and uh, the rebuilding will start with, you know, the obvious name that's been thrown up is Justin Langer, someone that was touted as the next Aussie coach. You know, he has a very strong moral compass. He's a very good person at, you know, guiding younger players. Maybe this team has moved on from the Lehman era and they need someone to get control of the culture and completely turn it around. I think I I agree with that. and as you mentioned the good word, you mentioned the good thing there, Lehman and his impact on this culture. Because a lot of these players have been with Darren Lehman for a long time since he took over in those Ashes series. And it's interesting to bear in mind as well that it was Pat Howard and James Sutherland who sacked his predecessor, Mickey Arthur, and Pat Howard and James Sutherland obviously involved again now. But yeah, I, I think you're about right. That, that There's some players within this group who have become way too accustomed to the way Lehman does things. They operate in a bubble, they become a little bit untouchable, um, and that permeates the the new blood into the team as well, whereas Justin Langer is a bit more salt of the earth, a bit more straight up and down, as you say, has a strong moral moral compass. The other one, the other rough one, is Ricky Ponting. He's obviously been brought into the frame as a T20 coach in recent times, but he's as upstanding a citizen as you could get, a former Australian captain. From a PR perspective, it wouldn't be a bad thing for Cricket Australia to bring in Ricky to right the ship. Yeah, and there was some sort of talk of Michael Clark making a comeback. He was very not not interested when that questioning was put to him. But, you know, it does beg the question that if you were to lose Smith and Warner, there is no obvious replacement. Well, I've written a piece which for the paper tomorrow which covers off that. Within the current Australian team, you have Usman Khawaja, who's the Queensland captain. You have Mitchell Marsh, who's the West Australian captain when he's at home. But And you have Tim Payne, who's a really solid citizen. 
but in none of those are standout leaders. And David Warner, if if he's been found to be part of the leadership group that was privy to these discussions about ball tampering, he can't be captain either. So that's when you've got to look to the like Usman Khawaja or you've got to look to Mitchell Marsh. But Usman's struggling to hold on to his place in the team. And if he doesn't get any second second innings runs in Cape Town, he could find he could have found himself out of the team in Johannesburg. The other roughie is Peter Hanscom. He's the Victorian captain. When he first came into the Australian setup, he was touted as a potential vice captain to Steve Smith and maybe a future captain down the track. He's one they could potentially fast track into the team and build the team around. Um, but he's got to earn his spot just as a batsman first. Yes, yeah, stunning day in Australian cricket, Russell. The most stunning day I could have ever imagined. Uh, just unbelievable. you know. And what's been stunning has been the severity of the reaction from the Australian public. They have not taken this lightly. This is stung at the very core of what people see as being you know, a good Australian person. And it's gone against that, I guess, in the behaviour overnight. They're the national team. They're representing all of us. It's not a footy team. It's not Essendon. It's not Melbourne Storm. It's not the Roosters. It's not Collingwood. It's not representing a section of the community. It's the Australian cricket team. They represent the entire country. We cheer them. We go. We, we went in record numbers to watch them in the ashes. Um, we get right behind them. And this is just the most crushing disappointment to see these blokes who we send overseas who purport to wear that baggy green with so much pride. That baggy green, it's such a cherished part of Australian sport. They wear it. They get it. They're one of the chosen few. And they've gone and done this. It's just a crushing, crushing blow. Well, Russell, I think that is a fitting way to end your first appearance on Cricket Unfiltered. Thank you so much for stepping up and facing the bouncers today. It's been an an absolute storm of cricket news, and hopefully we'll catch up again. No worries, Menace. All right, listeners, that's it for the special crisis edition of the podcast. Thanks to Russell Gould from the Herald Sun in Melbourne for coming on. You can keep up with all the action and the news with the fallout from the ball tampering scandal at dailytelegraph.com.au slash cricket, Courier Mail, Herald Sun, all the News Corp newspapers around the country. Pete Lawler from The Australian is over there. Hopefully I'll be talking to him this week about the action. But for the meantime, I'm going to go away and sulk and nurse a slightly broken heart because it feels like the day the music died.